Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Welcome to Masterclass Theology. As always, I am Big Rev. And I'm Professor D. We have the honor of concluding Colossians, the book of Colossians tonight. So we're in Colossians chapter 4. And Professor D, have you been enjoying our time in Colossians? I have. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed our time in all the epistles, and they all have their different reasons for why you enjoy them. But uh, this has definitely been a, a very enjoyable book. Awesome. All right. Well, let's open up in the word of prayer, and we will jump right in. God, thank you for this opportunity we have to study your word. I'm so grateful that my friend Mick and I are able to, to have this podcast and to be able to teach and to, to be able just to bring your word to our listeners. God, God, we just pray that that you speak through through your word tonight and that you guide us and encourage us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's start. Um, I, I, I'm trying to remember. Professor D, I know I made a, I, I know I might have made a mistake earlier. Did, did we end last week fully or did we skip a verse? What happened was that we included 4-1 with chapter three because okay. it made no sense to uh to break it off all right that that was the that was the mistake so each of us we teach this also off the podcast we teach it uh, in person and i know on my end i taught just chapter three last week so that was a big mistake we got to include the masters in there as well and so okay so we'll start with verses two to four here we go continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving at the same time pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Well, Paul gets us going there. And, and, and what we what we will see, if those of you who have your Colossians 4 open, you realize that there's not a lot of lesson tonight and the rest is a bunch of goodbyes. So we're going to just plow right through this. So Professor D., uh, Paul speaks about prayer at the beginning, and right in verse 2, it looks like he's got a, a threefold description. What, and what would that description look like? Well, A, to continue steadfast in prayer, which is basically to be devoted to praying. B, to be watchful in prayer, which is to be vigilant in prayer. And C, to give thanks. Uh, this is the key because this, this Thanksgiving is always key because the moment you stop being grateful to God is the moment you start moving towards idolatry, according to Romans one twenty one. Wow. Yeah, I like I like that idea of being watchful. Yeah. And it almost sounds like to me, I realize that we it, it's hard to know exactly what Paul means here, but I wonder, Professor D, if it also could mean I'm wa- I'm watching for opportunities to pray. Yeah. Or I'm watching, I've got people in my life you know, that When I'm thinking about the vigilant part, I'm actually thinking more along the lines of the spiritual armor in Ephesians 5, where he mentions prayer as part of it as well. Hmm. Yeah, and, and I recall, I mean, I know we're going to get to that in the next section. I recall also in that Ephesians 6 chapter, he ends all that with asking for personal prayer because yeah. he needs help to speak and to do, yeah. his, to do the work that God called him to do. And he's inviting the Ephesians, hey, come pray for me. Join, yeah. join this ministry. Yeah, I mean, I guess the image we have here is maybe, was it Habakkuk? Who, who was the one who was the watcher on the wall? And he was out there just kind of watching, and they're seeing the Babylonians come. Yeah. And the idea of just watching. And yeah. 
I love the vigilance idea. And maybe, maybe we can be looking for opportunities in our life and the people in our, in, in our communities to be able to pray for them. And maybe uh, I like, I like how you tied that to spiritual diligence as well. And vigilance is we need to be, yeah. I, we get a similar idea in Peter where he talks about your enemies are prowling lion. Yeah. And we got to stay alert and sober minded and pay attention. So yeah, our prayer is not lazy time. It's watchful time. Love. Yeah. All right. So in, uh, in verses three and four, he, he, he what, what the focus of his prayer request, what, what's he worried about there in three and four, mate? Well, I'm so glad you brought this up. Notice that he doesn't ask for prayers to, to get out of jail, but instead he prays for opportunities to proclaim the gospel in his current circumstances. And, and this reminds me of the time he spent in, in, in the Philippian uh, prison where when the earthquake happened, the chains were loose, instead of running out and saying, Woohoo, I'm free at last. You know, he actually stays behind, and because he stays behind, he reassures the Philippian jailer not to commit suicide and actually leads him and his family to Christ. Wow. So, I mean, it's just really good to see that he's not praying for, like, selfishly motivated things. And it's not that he doesn't have the right to pray for for stuff. I mean, Jesus tells us to pray for things. But it, it just goes to show you something, the heart of an evangelist. Yeah, he wants to make Christ clear this mystery, mm -hmm. and and then he kind of he kind of gets a little preachy on himself there th that mm -hmm. I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Like, he used the word "ought." It's like he needs to be. This is something he should be doing. Yeah, I mean that's kind of kind of interesting. How I mean he he invites the Colossians now to to join this ministry by prayer. Yeah, and praying for the ministry is a, a wonderful part of ministry. And, so and it's something that we can all do, regardless yeah. of our gifting. You know, that's, that's a good segue. So what, what do we learn about prayer here, just in these three verses? Well, a big takeaway is that prayer is definitely not a selfish thing, and it needs to be able, you, you need it to be able to live the Christian life. Um, it's also about aligning us to what God's will actually is, and it, and it ties with our, our being able to spread his gospel and not our own personal agendas. Amen. All right. Well, he continues in verses five and six. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So, Mick, who, who are the outsiders? Who's he talking about here? Well, the outsiders are those who... who clearly are, are the unsaved, non-believers or unbelievers, however you want to call them, uh, those who are outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay. And what's he talking about with time? Why would time matter with these outsiders, how they use their time? What's he talking about? Well, you know, I think it's very easy to, um, you know, to not to get caught up in our own lives and not care about the people around us. You know, and this kind of reminds me of what Moses says, you know, you know, and in Psalm 90, where he says, you know, Lord, teach me to, to number my days. You know, we have to, we have to uh, understand that we're all living on borrowed time and everything that we have that we can claim is ours is really only ours to steward. It's not ours to own. It belongs to God. The time I have on earth, it's time that God is giving me on earth. So it's, I should not squander it. 
Yeah, I think that the Psalm 90 reference is a really good one because isn't it teach me to remember my days Yeah, that I may have a heart of wisdom? Yeah. And so here it is, walk in wisdom Yep. with outsiders. And like this idea he talked about in another letter of redeeming the time. Yeah. So I believe it was in Philippians, I think. Uh, but I think just, okay. yeah, I think it was the idea of just you're buying back this time. This is you're, you're doing yep. something with your time that is honoring God and is making good use of it. Yeah. And let the speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt. I kind of think, Professor D, that if Paul was writing this letter in the 21st century, he might make a mention about social media. Yeah. And because that's kind of part of speech as well now is that's your that's your communication and your texting and your phone call. Yeah. Yep. So what is um, how did Paul describe Christian speech and conversation in verse six? So he says that our speech should be gracious. And what it means is that it should be filled both with grace and with gratitude. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very easy to be complaining. It is so easy. You don't even have to stop and think about it. You can complain about just about anything. So we have to make a conscious effort not to go there. Uh, he says it should be seasoned with salt. And, and there's two key features when you think about salt. Salt, for one thing, in my case, I love the way salt generally improves food. Given the option between a sweet meal or a salty one, I, I prefer usually a salty fare. And salt also has the property of preserving things. Um, so and there's a manner that I think that that applies also to our speech. It needs to be something that improves the content of conversation. And um, what, what it, it also means that, is, that it should definitely not be slanderous nor gossipy. Yes, salt, I, you know, in the ancient world, it was, it was worth its weight in gold. It, mm -hmm. At a time before refrigeration, it definitely yep. helped preserve food. And I mean, and, and unless you're a slug, salt usually improves things. Yeah. Or I guess about a paper cut on your hand, you know, the salt is not fun in a wound. Um, I would just- I guess it's it. a good thing. Yeah. We, and ancient Rome is known for laying down salt on yeah. con conquered people to, to ruin their fields. But yeah, um, otherwise, uh, we, we were just on vacation, making we were, we were down in Florida, and we, we drove for a couple hours to a beach because I wanted, we wanted our kids to experience the relentless waves of the ocean. And my kids were, they were complaining about salt water in their eyes because <laughs> they've swam in a lake before and it's pretty yes. vanilla it's just kind of tastes weird if you have you were happen to get some in your mouth they've swam in a pool so they're used to wiping chlorine out of their eyes but they <laughs> had no thing that they had no way to look at getting salt in their eye and of course you taste the salt water if you, you know you take yeah. something in your mouth by accident it, it, there's nothing that tastes like it and then you get it in your eyes and you just doesn't want to wipe out and yeah. They just kept complaining, and, and there's something about that salt. Salt always tends to interact, no matter where you're at, what you're doing. Salt never just stays by itself. It just kind of it always interacts with its environment. And I wonder if that's an idea of your your speech seasoned with salt. Yeah. Where you're, you're not only you're a blessing, but you're not just putting your head in the sand. Your 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 conversation is actually adding to something, and you're interacting, and you're 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 actually dispensing grace, not just. Yeah, existing. I mean, maybe this would be an opportunity to really make most of your time. So maximize yeah. your speech. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a lot of that at play here. I mean, it almost reminds me of in James one, where he tells them to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And so if you're going to, if you're going to be slow to speak, then, you know, you can maximize when you do speak. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you don't post a thousand things every day on the internet. Maybe you post one or two things. And, but they're, mm -hmm. they're targeted and they're, they're, they're meant to be a blessing. Yeah. I don't know, there's some good things to look at here. 
All right. So he kind of talks about the walk and the talk here. So what are the big things we take away from these couple verses? Well, this ties with what Paul said in, in uh, chapter three, verse 17, that in everything we, we, we speak and do, and he ties it together. It all mm. has to be with a mind on Jesus and the gospel. Amen. You know, and I, and I, you know, going back to chapter three, verse one, I, I, I even included the way we even we think, but, but people won't really know how we think what they do see or is how we live and they hear what we say. Amen. And then like you pointed out earlier, that includes printed words, such as text messages and, and social media, you know, in case anybody wants to be like a technocrat about it. Yeah. I mean, there's something about our social media presence, the things that you post about, you know, if, if you decide to wade into controversial, but that's our world right now. It's very tribalistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's divided and, and people are on either side of stances. And a lot of times, you know, the temptation is to wade in on issues. And yeah. if you do wade in on issues, then I think this, these verses come into play. You're leading with grace and you're, you're seasoned with salt. So you're seeking to be a blessing here and maybe being a unifier and maybe bringing the gospel to the conversation as opposed to just a political stance or whatever the case may be. But Professor D, this ends, this, this ends Paul's teaching in, yeah. in, in the book of Colossians. The rest is either, hey, there's some people with me that want to say goodbye or want to say hi, and or, hey, there's people who are there in Colossae that we want to say hi to. Yeah. That's really the rest of the, of the book. So we'll just yeah. continue with, with seven to nine. And I, okay, seven to nine. I don't know if it's Tychicus, Tychicus, it could be Tychicus, I don't know. Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. Wow. I have sent him for to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place from here. So, Professor D, what do we learn about the roles of Tychicus and Onesimus here? All right. Well, while we're in the, the streak of butchering names, because I'm, I'm with you there, uh, I don't know how to say it. It's one thing to read them and not know how to say it. It's kind of like a uh, Bussy Woods. You know, if you listen to your Google Maps, it's Bus Woods. Bus Woods. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, but both of these guys were faithful ministers and servants to God. Uh, besides Acts, Paul um, talks highly of, of Tychicus or Tychicus here, and he also does so in Ephesians and, and in Philemon. And it and we we mentioned this in, in, in previous lessons that we believe he's the guy that actually delivered these letters. Um, as for Onesimus, he was Philemon's former runaway slave right. who became saved in his time in Rome. He, he, he came to minister to Paul and, and came to salvation, and now he was coming back um to philemon as a saved brother in the faith and when as you also mentioned that in there's many commentaries that put colossians and philemon together for the same reason because there's a lot of uh interplay between the two letters um so yeah they're and they're they're on they're back to in Colossae. right i love i love verse nine where the, it ties the whole philemon onesimus story together yeah because speaking of onesimus he's not he doesn't say, and with him, Onesimus, the former runaway slave. No, yeah. he's faithful and a beloved brother. Yeah. And then Paul doubles down. Who is one of you? Yep. So Colossian Christians, as, you, as you're getting this letter, 
and you're pondering about Philemon, who's probably your local elder or some, one of some, your homeboys. Yeah. So you you all know his story. You've all mm -hmm. probably heard of his main dude, Onesimus, a slave running away, maybe defrauding his accounts to be able to pay for travel expenses to Rome, what have you. Everyone in Colossae is going to know this story because it's going to be a, a homegrown story. So now this is Paul saying to those very Christians, he is one of you. So you got to welcome him back. And he was he was even more bold in Philemon to Philemon yeah. saying, welcome him back like you're welcoming me. Yeah. I mean, this was a great moment of restoration. Yeah. Where Paul really put thing puts thing in perspective here. And oh, yeah. and Professor D, why why is it help our listeners just to remind them he he finishes verse nine speaking of Tychicus and Onesimus, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Why is that necessary? Why does Paul have to send someone to talk about what's happening with him? Well, because he's in jail and they don't know what's going on. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure our listeners got that, yeah. is that Paul has to send people to talk about him because he can't leave where he's at. So for those of us who are wondering, well, why is Paul sending people? Why doesn't Paul just go himself? Because Paul's in prison. And so Paul can't just get up and go, but he was allowed to have visitors. And so his visitors are coming and they're taking a letter back. And so yeah. I just wanted our listeners to make sure we get that context. And thank you, Professor Deed, for not letting me stump the chump there. All right. So he continues. We have our next section is going to be 10 to 14. We have here Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Okay, so this is walk through these names. So, so Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice, what, what do we glean from those from verses 10 to 12 here for those three guys. All right. So Aristarchus was the guy who, who kept getting arrested with Paul, it seems, both in Ephesus <laughs> and now here at Rome, you know. Uh, and according to Acts, he's from Thessalonica. Um, Mark, also known as John Mark, was a young missionary partner of Paul and Barnabas in the early days of their missionary trips. And he was also Barnabas' cousin. Um, he was the reason why Paul and Barney actually split up. Paul didn't want Mark to come on, on the missionary trip, the next one they were going on, because since Mark had kind of left them halfway hanging there, he wasn't really thrilled about it, and rightly so. At this stage, though, it seems that Mark got his act straight. I mean, the tough love that Paul gave him, he straightened up, and he grew up, and he and they reconciled. And Paul eventually speaks nicely of Mark in, in several letters, as a matter of fact. So this is the same Mark that later went on to write the Gospel of Mark, and Mark's Mark's kind of a great poster child for people growing up. Um, and being and reconciled. Yeah. And as for this Jesus justice guy, we really don't have much to go on. Um, all we, we know is that he may have been a, a Roman Jew, because Paul mentions him amongst the circumcised. Um, and he came to faith after Paul's preaching. And we think Acts chapter 28, according to some commentaries that I've read. But whatever the case, he was a good guy and a gospel partner for Paul now. 
um, Epaphras, as, as we saw in chapter one of this book, he was the guy that, that helped get this church uh, going in Colossae. And as we see here in this chapter, he's a prayer warrior, completely committed to discipleship from start to finish. He's not just interested in leading people to the Lord, but continually praying for them to, to, to thrive in the faith. And he also cared not just for the Colossian Christians, but he also cared for the believers in, in Laodicea. And Heropolis. And Heropolis, yeah. Thanks. He sounds like quite a guy, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Was Luke and Demas in this section as well? Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, Luke okay. and so Luke was Paul's traveling physician buddy, and he was also the author of both the gospel that bears his name, as well as the book of Acts. In fact, one of the things that I've, I've shared with, with people is that, you know, I, I did, who wrote most of the New Testament? Everybody says, oh, Paul, uh, hands down. And I'm like, nope, it's actually Luke. Based on word count, Luke actually wrote most of the New Testament. So yeah, it's worth it. huge. Yeah, yeah. So that's very big. And, uh, and so again, he, he's a very important guy. And um, and Demas, he's an interesting guy. Um, here and in Philemon, he's a commendable fellow worker with Paul and the guys. But, you know, as I was kind of doing some, some studying on him, it seems that um, by the time of 2 Timothy, which is years down the road, if it's the same Demas, he looks like he's going to go through through a backslide of some sort. Mm. Yeah, I, I I always wonder about about that the Jesus Justice guy. It's kind of like if if you're a Christian and your name happens to be Jesus and you're going to make the New Testament, we're going to wonder: Do you have an alias by chance? <laughs> Possibly a middle name we can use. Well, as you and uh, I both know, Jesus's name was very common among the Hebrew people, so. It, that, that's kind of like um, like if you talk about a John today. I mean, everybody has a John in their family somewhere. Even if you're even if you're uh, Mexican. I mean, I got my brothers and my dad are Juans. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, you got them. So Jesus, also known as Justice, and yeah, it's what well, it was it? Yeah. C.S. Lewis was Clive Staples, and so like yeah. I was thinking, how bad the C.S. have to be? Well, that's pretty bad. So yeah. you're not going to go by Clive Staples. So. Yeah, Jesus, also known as Justice. Yeah, there, there's some there's some good things here. Yeah, Luke. Yeah, I, you know, I wonder about that word count. I wonder if it gets closer if you if you give Paul the book of Hebrews. I, I well, wonder. Hebrews probably maybe throws it over the top. I mean, Hebrews is a big chunk of uh, real chunk. estate. And I mean, John's up there too because Revelation is pretty big. But yeah. but yeah, but yeah, definitely. Luke, the, the Gospel of Luke is big, and, and Acts is 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 it's a little bit bigger. Yeah. So yeah, that that that's great trivia. So our listeners, you have a piece of trivia there. Who, who who's got the biggest word count in the New Testament? And and your friends are most likely going to say Paul. And evidently, Professor D will let let you know they are wrong. Okay, so uh, so how does Paul conclude the letter? We I didn't read that part here. We got it. We got to continue with um, fifteen to eighteen. Okay. All right, so Luke, the beloved physician. Okay, 15. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. All right. So what purpose would verses 15 and 16 serve, Nick? Well, I think it's cool how Paul always uh, remembers people by name and is always willing to acknowledge their partnership in the gospel. 
Mm. It, it also gives us a glimpse as to how these letters were intended to be circulated beyond their original target audience. You know, you go, hey, read this letter, spread it around, you know, and also, you know, the one I sent to the Laodiceans, get it read. So regarding this letter to the Laodiceans, though, A, this letter was either lost or B, it, it just happens to be the book of Ephesians. I think Ephesians is not that letter personally, because um, when Paul wrote to the Laodiceans, you know, I, I just find it hard that because in Ephesians, he really doesn't do a whole lot of name dropping there. And obviously here he's already mentioning Nympha and, and, and the church at her house. If Ephesians was that Laodicean letter, I would have figured he would have mentioned Nympha there and he doesn't. Right. So bottom line, even if it was, it, it really doesn't change the content of the letter. So that's that. So Nympha and her house church, that would be Laodicea, if you're yeah. understanding that correctly. Yeah. Because yeah. it appears from the letter to Onesimus or that to Philemon that, that Philemon is, it's, it's his household, essentially, that is the recipient. No, in Colossae, it's, it's, it's Philemon. Yeah, but in Laodicea would be uh, Nympha. It looks like Nympha now going. So he's writing also to Laodicea, a sister, a sister city to Colossae. Yeah, yeah. You look on your map and, and kind of south central Asia Minor there. But right. Yeah, that's so Nympha and and I like that it circulated. Yeah, I tend to agree with you that we we do not have the the letter to the Laodiceans, and I I think there was a third letter to the Corinthians too. Yes. That, that this Paul mentions, but he's like in a previous letter and he wasn't talking about first Corinthians. So, and, and, you know, and, and along those lines, I think it's, it, it's a good thing to note that, you know, and in Corinthians, you kind of have an example of this where Paul says, this is me talking now, not the, the Lord, right? The, these, this lost letter to the Laodiceans, I'm sure it was good material, but it's, it, it's, it, you know, you brought this point up in a previous class as well, you know, Clement, who basically, when you look when you look at the the book of Clement, it's all solid for the most part, but obviously it was not scripture, and they did not regard it. Good human writing, good Christian writer, does not necessarily make it word of God. Paul could have been writing something, and at this point, not divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit to to write mm -hmm. it down. It didn't mean mean that it wasn't a bad a, a, a good idea to write it. It probably was great, but because it wasn't the word of God, the Holy Spirit didn't preserve it. Even though it came from an apostle, even though it came from an apostle, right? So this is not like, oh, this is like C.S. Lewis again writing Narnia, right? Great allegory. Yeah. No, C.S. Lewis was nobody. He wasn't Paul. Yeah. So, and what it comes down to is the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit. He did yeah. not preserve that letter. He did not inspire that letter. That letter is not scripture, so it has not been yeah. maintained. And so we just don't have it. I, that might be something. You know, the, one of the many questions you will have of Paul in heaven. What was his? You know, we think about Second Corinthians twelve. Well, Paul may not even know because he wasn't around to see what happened ultimately. To it. True, yeah. We get to say, hey, you know, what was what was your your the thorn in the flesh? Hey, Paul, by chance, did you write the letter to the Hebrews? You know, whatever happened, did you know of this letter? I mean, yeah, we just this is not this goes down to the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit, who's preserving the written word. And for yeah. the, the biblical canon, it is not biblical canon. So I love I love your reference here to the to the the work of First Clement, great historical work. Mentions yeah. a lot of what the scripture says. It's just not the early church was not able to use it. It's just they weren't preaching with it. All right. Yeah. So how would Archippus? So he gives a line to Archippus here, and how would the line to Archippus? And I'll, I'll read that again, uh, listeners. It's and say to Archippus. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So how would that be a blessing to us? Even though it's not written to us, it's preserved here for us. 
How can we be blessed by this line to our campus, Mick? Well, firstly, I think we need to ask the question, who is our kippus? Uh, in Philemon, our kippus is mentioned, and he may well be Philemon's son or a relative. We don't really know for sure. But Paul refers to him there as a fellow soldier, which is generally a good thing. However, the sense that I get here with Paul saying, see that you fulfill the ministry the Lord gave you, gives me kind of a sense that something is not happening that that should be happening. And, and I think he's trying to give him a nudge in the right direction. And, you know, as far as us, I mean, Lord knows I need nudgings constantly in that direction all the time. So it might as, he might as well replace Archippus' name with mine. Mm. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so Paul brings it home. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And thus ends the book of Colossians. How does he, how does he land the plane here? So he pretty much finishes the letter in a pretty standard fare with his other letters, grace to you. Although, you know, surprisingly pieces in it in there for good measure, but you know, that doesn't really make or break it. Um, you know, again, it doesn't really take much away from it. And and it, like some of the other letters is he does his own personal uh, handwriting, his big old handwriting, because, because we believe he probably suffered with his, his, his eyes. So he, he had to write big to make up for it. But it gives us a kind of a personal touch, uh, an authentication to his earlier audiences and readers, I, I would imagine. Yeah. And, you know, remember my chains. And he, he was one not not to, not to be playing up his prison time, but he does, you know, give him one more reminder. Hey, he asked he asked him to pray to pray for him. Well, mm -hmm. he's in chains. So it's like, pray, pray, you know, just remember that you know, he, he told them to he, he commanded them now to be watchful in prayer. So this is like, remember me. Here it is. Remember my chains. It's and uh, yeah, just for, for the sake of our listeners, since it's the same, it's the letters are going from the same people to the same people and being carried by the same people. Here's, here's how Philemon ends the book of Philemon, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus sends greetings to you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers, mm -hmm. the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So the same cast of characters. Yeah. There. Yeah. They're the ones who are either saying goodbye or carrying the letter to Colossae or the ones who are being going to be receiving. Yeah, it's the same people. So we're linking them together, just like history has done. Yeah. Uh, so Professor D, how do you conclude as we, as we want, as we always do, we always have closing thoughts regarding whatever chapter we're in. So yeah. let's start with our closing thoughts just for Colossians 4. All right. So what, what I want to zero in on are actually two things. First of all, Paul's prayers demonstrate that, that he is others minded. Um, Again, and I mentioned this earlier when we talked about this, he doesn't focus on an exit from prison or, or creature comforts, you know. No, for him and for Epaphras later in the letter in verses 12 and 13, we they are focused on other people. And I think that we have to underscore the importance of intercession. You know, a lot of times people only have like, look, not that we should be focused on a time number of, of how long you last in prayer. There are some days where my prayers are probably two minutes in the morning. There's other days where I'm closer to half hour. It varies because it's a real conversation with God. But I think some real estate in your prayers, at least some several times a week, has to be for others, interceding for others, not praying about woe is I because my work 
you know, my mama don't love me no more. My kids, you know, blah, 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 this or that. My wife, you know, eh, this, that, and, and whatever, you know, you have to pray for other people. You know, I mean, how often do you pray? I'm going to throw this out there for the Ukraine situation at the moment. How often do you pray for the nation of Israel, even for the, our nation as, as it is and the culture at large, let alone the people that you know, your family, friends, your personal friends? We have to pray for other people. We have to be others oriented. And I think that that really helps take away some of the anxiety that we have when we focus on ourselves. Um, so that that's something that I think is is, is is very important. And second, notice how Paul talks up his team. I love this. I think there's a very real temptation of each of us wanting to tout our own resumes. And I think something that that is far better is to have someone else tout your resume. In other words, be concerned with, with how you speak and what you do and let others tout your virtues. If you find your, that you're giving yourself lip service, there's probably something wrong there. You know, and, and I think it's far more meaningful when someone else and someone of 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 their cachet is doing it. I'd like to hear, you know, like I like it when you say good things about me, Joel, instead of me saying it myself, because, you know, coming out of my own mouth, it's just me, myself and I. When I hear from someone else, when I hear from people in the class who I love and respect, that's more meaningful. And I think that's true for all of us. Yeah, I mean, there, there's things that I, I never want to hear someone say. If, if someone says about themselves, I'm so strong or I'm so humble, mm -hmm. you know, I like hearing that if so, if someone says it about someone else, hey, you're really yeah. strong or you've gone through a lot, you know, or, you know, boy, you, you're just a really humble person. Hey, but, you know, we don't want to hear someone say that about themselves. Oh, that's just it doesn't come off right. And so, yeah, yeah I, hear, I hear you, my man. Yeah, for me, I mean, there, we, I could land the plane on the, the season of assault and grace communication, knowing how to answer people. Like that does imply that, that the, the people, the Colossian Christians were getting questions asked of them. Mm -hmm. It does imply that their Roman Empire neighbors were coming at them about this. Mm -hmm. Hey, what's this all about? Hey, what's going on here? And the Colossians needed to know how to answer them because Paul literally yeah. says there, so you may know how to answer them. But for me, to the, where I want to go with this, seeing as where you went, Mick, um, I, I would say be a Tychicus or an Esimus. Mm -hmm. A beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant. Yeah, that should describe each one of us, mm -hmm. even even if we're not, you know, ordained ministers or not. But yeah. you should be ministering. Uh, you should known for your servant heart or Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. Yeah, you need to be an Onesimus, and with Onesimus, his past does not determine his future. And yeah. it's a great great example for us. Or, or be who's being a Paphras? My goodness, being a Paphras, a yeah. servant of Christ Jesus always struggling on your behalf in prayers and for others, man. Yeah. I mean, there's something it's like, if you're, if you're going to read this chapter, it's so easy to go. I want to be like Paul. No, I don't think Paul would agree with you. I would say Paul would say, be like Epaphras. Yeah. And Paul would say, be like, you know, Tychicus or Onesimus. These are the ones I want you to be like is, Hey, I'm watching Paul's like saying, I'm watching what they're doing and I'm giving them props. And what, yeah. what and he's giving, he's giving Christ props. But this is Christ's team. This is ultimately Christ's team. Yes, yeah. but, but I would say, man, listener, be, be a Tychicus or Onesimus or an Epaphras or, I mean, Nympha with a house church in her home. I mean, mm -hmm. she's using whatever funds she has to keep a church going in a city that's going to get spanked by John and, yeah. in Revelation. Laodicea <laughs> is not going to end well at all. I mean, going to get spanked by the risen, exalted Lord Jesus, as John records it. But man, isn't that the one that they're going to be spat out 
or the lukewarms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Laodiceans, they're, 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 they're going to get spanked by Jesus. So it's like Nympha has got a hard task here. I mean, it's so Paul's given us some good examples to, to, to yeah. really preserve for us, be like them. Professor D, how do you conclude? We now, since we're ending Colossians, we always conclude the chapter we're studying. And when we end a book, we land the plane with a closing thought about the book. Yeah. How, what, what's the moment you're going to use to close the book of Colossians? What, what's, how are you going to land the plane there? Well, while everything in the Bible is ultimately about Jesus, and yeah, I, and I'm including even the Old Testament is about Jesus. If you read between the lines, Jesus is all over that. The discussion about Jesus as God is so, so rich here, especially in chapter one. And, and then there, there's, you know, and, I, and I'm glad you brought this up, the, the often overlooked continuation of, of chapter one and chapter two, where he reemphasizes the deity of Jesus. It is Jesus's resurrection and his being God that are the two primary reasons that the Holy Spirit uses in my personal life to make me a follower of Jesus. I follow Jesus. I believe in God because of Jesus. Because of the fact that he resurrected, and that proves to me that there's something supernatural about this guy. He must be what he said he was, mm-hmm. and, and he and it's God, and he points to the Jewish, Hebrew, Jewish, Yahweh, God. And it is, that is why I believe in Jesus and Christianity. Yeah, just echoing Professor D's words here, Colossians chapter 1 is high Christology. It, it gets no better. Than, than Colossians chapter one. That is the maybe the apex of the New Testament but in terms of who the Son of God is, who Jesus is. You know, the, 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 all things are created by Him. If, I mean, this is mm-hmm. it's amazingly powerful stuff. Yeah. So it is. If you want to understand the second person of the Trinity, if you want to understand Jesus and the divinity of Jesus, you must your your, your itinerary must stop at some point. If, if you're on that cruise, a port of call must be Colossians chapter one. Well, since you went there, Mick, I'm going to go practical on my side. Colossians chapter three, it talks about taking off the old self and mm. putting on the new. And yep. that right there needs to be, I had someone uh, recently tell me that you should smell like Jesus. And mm. I had the smell of Jesus about you. And it's, it's a little odd the way to put it, but it makes a lot of sense if you're putting on yeah. Jesus like a shirt every day. Yeah, because you're going to smell like that shirt. You're going to say whatever, whatever that shirt smells like. I, I put on a shirt that I forgot to wash the other day, but I'd use some <laughs> cologne and I put it back on like, oh, yeah, this still smells like the cologne I use. I forgot I wore this the other day. Yeah. And so you're taking off the old self, which has been crucified with Christ, like Galatians 2.20, and you're putting on the new self, being new and renewed in the knowledge of your creator. Yeah, yeah. there's parts about your life that need to stop. The old you is gone. Now parts of you that in Christ need to start. So you need to put every day, just like you're putting on a new piece of clothing or a washed piece of clothing, whatever. You're going to your closet, not your dirty laundry pile to, to dress for the day. Put on, take off the old, put on the new. Great practical wisdom from Colossians 3. And any any last words from Colossians or, or if we, we wrap this up? I think we can wrap it, wrap it up. Um, you know what? Our students or our listeners deserve a, a shorter uh, one, although I could think of one who might want this to be longer, but sorry. Yeah, all the other ones. We, we resume next week. We're going to conclude our journey, our summertime journey through these shorter Pauline epistles 
We're going to try to squeeze in first and second Thessalonians, not in one week, of course, but we'll start with first Thessalonians next week. And uh, I, I'm sure you'll all be blessed. Thank you for joining us in Colossians for tonight. Masterclass Theology. I'm Big Rev. And I'm Professor D. We'll catch you next time. God bless. Amen. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.